0: What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to to those of you who are part of our church, those of you who are faithful and committed. We talked last week about who we are as a church. And uh, in the next uh, 20 minutes, we're going to talk about what is on the horizon, what is ahead. It has really been cool to watch God open doors for us as a church to serve people, to to share His kingdom, to serve His kingdom. There is no greater privilege in your life than to serve the kingdom of God, is there? Okay, wait. Maybe we need some... I need some Wawa coffee here or something. There is nothing in your life that measures up to what you do for the kingdom of God. Everything else that seems so big and important, everything else that's screaming in your ear that that requires your attention and is a crisis is not going to be unless it's connected to the kingdom of God. That's what it is. And we get so wrapped up in such small things. And so last week, we took the opportunity to talk about our core values. God has called us as a church to some things and an approach that he called us to take this position, this spot in the kingdom of God in the battle against darkness. And so now I want to look ahead. And I, uh, what I did a couple of weeks ago, we were together as a, a leadership team for a uh, just a day where we spend time praying together, talking together about the church and leading and feeding each other and, and that kind of stuff. And I said to them, let's talk about this question. What does God want our church to look like in five years? What does God want this place to look like in five years? And interestingly enough from our, from our leaders, um, it was kind of vague. It was kind of like, yeah, well... I don't know. We don't really know. Um, and And there's a reason behind that. It's not because we lack leadership skills or ability, but we didn't really have a lot of specifics. And part of that is because we deeply believe what Psalm 127 verse 1 says, which says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And we have learned time and again that we do not get to decide what God is going to do. God decides what God is going to do and we try to follow him as best we can. I think that's a great thing for us in our lives. So we want God to build this church. We're not trying to waste our time or energy doing what God hasn't asked or what He hasn't called us to or what He hasn't laid out ahead of us. We want God to build this church. You with me? But, We believe that if we do follow Him, if we do serve Him, we don't waste our time. And so specifics were hard to come by. Part of that is also because the truth is, again, reiterated in James chapter 4, uh, verse 13 starts and says this, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry our business on and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Duh. Right? How many times have you said, tomorrow I'm going to this and this and this and... Something else came up. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, all such boasting is evil. If anyone, therefore, knows to do good, they ought to do, and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. I think that is a powerful truth for us in our lives. As we learn how to follow God day by day, we don't get to say, and it's not about a magic formula, if God wills, if God wills. It's about a heart that recognizes that when I make plans, God has the right and the authority and the invitation from me to change those plans to whatever He wants them to be. And so if we're going to be a ministry that follows God, a ministry that is built by the hand of God, we've got to embrace that. And so when we look five years down the road, we don't know what's coming. We have ideas, we have thoughts, but we always submit it to the Lord's will. It's always ready to be adapted. And so what's coming tomorrow may not be the same as what we see today. Sometimes that's disconcerting, especially as we go on in life and, and we look like, well, what's my role going to be? What, what's going to happen to me? What's about, what about my spot? God often is the master of switching spots, isn't he? Shifting you from one place to another place. Shifting you in so many different roles in so many seasons of life. And so, first question I have is, are we willing for God to shift us to wherever he has us individually and as a church for whatever he needs for his kingdom. First thing I see in those verses, we don't know what's coming. Second thing is life is short. We are a mist that appears for a moment and is gone. Life is short, so make sure you do what matters. Okay, if you if everybody here recognizes life is short, let's take a quick vote. How many people would vote yes, life is short? How many people would vote that? Okay. So if we all vote that, there's only one application that actually matters from that truth. Make sure you do what matters because life is short. Now, you got lots of stuff to do. I don't envy some of your callings. You guys are overwhelmed. You're stressed out. You're, you're running from, from dawn till dusk. You are all the time doing all kinds of things. Everybody's got things in your I don't envy that. But I do want, as your pastor, to say this to you. Life is short. Do what matters. If you got to do other stuff that you know doesn't matter, but you got to do it because of whatever, do it. But don't miss doing what matters, right? Because why 10 years from now would I be willing to look back on 10 years and think, I didn't do anything that really mattered? Third thing, if we know to do good and don't do it, it's wrong. It's a mistake. In this part, in part, what it means is, as a Christian, as a believer, there's no place on the sidelines for you. To whatever level God has shown you and introduced you and pressed you to do something that is right and good and eternal and that matters, you have to get in the game. You can't stay on the sidelines. Last when we talked about how we think, but how you think doesn't matter unless you do something with it. And so as a church, what I'm saying to you is we need to do what is right because does the kingdom of God matter? And how has God designed for the kingdom of God to be built? He designed and formed the church. And how does God design the church to operate? Well, you hire a bunch of professionals and they do it and everybody else watches. That is not how God designed the church. He designed the church as a body that forms together and does stuff together. And so as we go forward, we know that we have to do something because we know the good to do and we know what matters and we have pressed to take this message to the people that are around us. So having said all that, even though we don't know exactly what's coming, there are a few things we know that we're going to put our attention towards because we know that wherever God takes us, it's going to take some of these things. I don't know what's coming, but I can tell you this. Our history shows us something um, that I think it would be reasonable for us to take in consideration. So I'm about to ask them to put up a chart. Before they put it up, let me say this. This chart is a numbers chart. Some of you will be like, oh, that's cool, it's a graph. Numbers, math, it's not about that. Okay? What I want you to see is the history of this church in a line. Okay? And what it is, is every single month we have an average attendance. And so we're not all about numbers, but numbers are people. And so because of numbers are people, it shows you kind of in some way what God has been doing in our church over the 11 years we've been together. All right? So let's put this chart up. This is our uh, history of hope over 11 years. Now, do you notice anything about that chart? So if I'm looking at what's coming, my most reasonable assumption is that I have some idea of what's coming. God could change that plan, but if I'm going to make a plan for the future, what am I going to plan on? Growth. We have always been a church that's grown. Every single year, we've grown. And we grow. We don't grow explosively. We don't grow out of control. We just grow steady and sure every single year. That's what we do. And so as we look forward, that brings some challenges. And and I really just want to talk about two challenges with you. As we go forward, these are our callings. If we can expect growth in our future, there are a couple of common sense things we have to turn our attention to. And I'm going to try to do as quickly as I can with them because I'm not trying to burden you with this, but I want us to be coordinated. I want us to all be on the same page. First thing I have to say before I get to challenges is this. These challenges are not for every single person in this room. They are for all of us collectively, but they aren't for every single one of us. In other words, our calling as a church is to do all these things, but God is going to pick people out. You know, this group over here does this thing, and this group over here. And I'm like, yeah, you do your thing, great, do that thing. And you're like, yeah, you guys keep doing that. But we're doing it collectively, but we're also taking on our individual roles. For some of you, your act of faith and service is simply showing up right now. You've been destroyed in a church scenario, in a church situation. And you just coming to church is God's call for your faith. So do that. That won't always be your call, but for now that's your call. So I'm not saying every single one of you has got to do all these things. What I'm saying is, this is what we as a church have to do and God is going to raise people up to do it. All right, does that make sense? No guilt trips here. Just, I want us all coordinated if we're going to do this together as a family, as a body, as a team. All right, so I think about the words of Jesus in Luke 14. He's talking about the cost of discipleship, but I think you can apply this to many of life's decisions. In Luke 14, Jesus says this. Suppose... One of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, ridicule you saying, this person began the build to build and wasn't able to finish. Essentially, <clears throat> as we look towards the future, it is a wise thing for us to do to count the cost. It's, he's saying, count the cost of discipleship. But let's count the cost of what God is doing here. Now, just look around the room. Look around. Look around look, don't look at anybody, but just look around the room. We're kind of, we're kind of foolish here right now. now we got we get chairs. We can put more chairs up, and we're going to as we grow. But right now, what's coming, and it may not be super obvious, but what's coming is a crunch for space. That's what's coming. What do we do about that? Well, last time... That our Sunday morning services averaged what the two Sunday services are averaging now. Like we, If you combine them, obviously they're about double. But the last time that each that the, the Sunday morning we had ma- measured up to this was 2010. So that growth rate means that somewhere within the next five years, what are we going to be? Full. Now this is all of our challenge. I'm just saying, if we're going to be wise about it, we should probably start looking ahead, right? So what do we do about that? I've asked our our elders, what do we do about that? I anticipated them having some wonderful response, and this was kind of our response. I don't know. So I, I, in my gracious, loving way, added pressure to the discussion, and I said this. What we did when we grew last time, we got to the place where we couldn't put any more people in a service. We made two services. A lot of churches do three services and four services and whatever. I will tell you, not this guy. Okay, I'm not saying that's not a great and wonderful thing. I, I'm in awe of people. People do seven services a week and I'm like, I don't even know how you exist. I don't understand that at all. There's people that God has made for that stuff. That's awesome. That's great. But here's the reality. I don't think I can do that, and I don't think we as a church can do that. I don't think we can survive three services, it. I just don't think it's us anymore. Now, maybe God changes that, because that's a very cheap solution. Just add another service. That's a very cheap solution. What I will tell you is every other solution is very expensive. Build something, buy something, uh, launch a satellite church or plant a church somewhere. All those others are really, really expensive. So why am I talking about this? Because one of the challenges that we have is to start preparing for whatever the pathway God leads us down. And so what I'm saying to you is this, wherever God takes us, we're going to follow Him. But in the meantime, we should be saving towards that future need. And so you're going to start hearing about building fund. Building fund is going to be a nebulous concept of we don't know what we need it for, but we need to get busy. Okay? We need to get busy where by the end of this year, we probably need thousands of dollars to come in. To just start saving. Next year, a line item on our budget is going to be to save towards a future building whatever. Whatever it is. We, got to, we don't know what it is, but we want to be wise enough to start planning towards it. And so here's what that means by faith. I'm not saying to you, all you people, you, you lousy givers, you guys have been awesome at giving. Okay, I mean, our giving has grown this year double the rate of our attendance. So our giving has been awesome. I, there's no complaint about that, but this is a challenge that's ahead of us so what that means is we need our building fund to start to grow above and beyond the, the money that we're getting towards offering. Special giving. If we go by faith, what it means is some of you are about to be very prosperous in your business. Some of you are about to come into unexpected money. Some, like, God is going, to, if God provides through his people, then some of you are going to show, like, hey, I just saved a bunch of money on my car insurance. and. <laughs> What should I do with that? Right? It's the opposite of the greedy mindset that's a lot of times an American idea. Oh, good, I got some more money. What do I want to do with it? Right? Maybe what we need to be asking is, if God has prospered me, what does God want me to do with it? Why did he give me that money? Sometimes it's because he's somebody in need, he wants you to help, and we want to be able to do that. Sometimes it's because he wants you to give abundantly to the church, and I want to talk about that in a second. But sometimes it's about God has a special need for his people, and he's going to give through his people. And so if you're the one that that shows up, and what, that, what, what that's saying is God thinks you're faithful enough to give it, Right? At the same time, as we grow, we want to minister to the people who are coming, so our, our regular budget needs are also going to grow. We're gonna need more people who are uh devoted to this. We're gonna need more time from some staff members that can't give us all their time right now. And that's gonna take money. So, you know, sometimes we look I, I worry about giving you the giving numbers because our, our target for this year was fifty eight fifty and we've been giving at about sixty five hundred a week. And you guys are like, great man, I can stop giving. No, listen. Here's the deal, and I I want to be real plain and honest with you. The reason we had a budget of 5850 is because as a leadership team, our faith was small. And possibly that we felt like as a church, we would be really, really wrecked to look at a budget that was commensurate to what we needed to do this year. So we made our budget small, and God blew it out of the water because we had bigger needs than what we had budgeted for. OK, so don't think that you're giving and it's right now we're, we're actually going forward from that next year. OK, and the reality is we need to. If, we wanna, if it's not just about building and space and people in a big church, if it's about people getting saved and people knowing Christ and people being restored, then there's resources that need to get pointed to that. There's training that needs to happen, there's materials that need to be bought, there's all that stuff, more people. VBS was a huge thing this year. we got to uh, put more uh, resources behind that and make that a, a, a bigger and better thing every single time. And so if building isn't what God puts on your heart, if building money is not what God throws your way, we're still in need of aggressive sacrifice towards God. Work at Hope. I almost never talk about money and that's about all I'm going to talk about it, but I just wanted to say this. We have some giving challenges and we will rise to meet them together as a church and I will try to keep you up to date on where things stand and, and that the, the reality is how we as a church rise to meet that challenge will play a big part in how much God does through us for the kingdom of God. Does both in us because you know, when I'm willing to give and sacrifice to what God is doing around the world and what God is doing in, in my home church, when I'm willing to do that, it grows me. Because it keeps asking me the question, is this God's money or my money? Will I be faithful in giving or will I find an excuse not to? And it also helps us as a church grow because it helps us to grow in our mission. So that's one challenge. Not all of you are going to be able to partake in that, but some of you are. Some of you got to stop finding excuses to not sacrifice. Some of you got to find a way to just... Hey, I'm going to be faithful. God, if you will put money my way, some of you have that gift of giving, and if God gives you money, you need to, to, to give it. Second thing, other challenge I want to talk about is the challenge of service. Challenge of serving. It is a very central challenge to growth, expanding our service teams to include more and more people. Uh, we have, over the course of our history, created ways that we function as a church which got obsolete way too quick. It's a really frustrating thing, I have to tell you. It's a great problem to have, but every time we figure out how to function as a church, we grow out of it, and then we have to reformat, okay? And so be patient. The reason I'm telling you this is be patient with us because it's always changing, right? We're always figuring it out as we go. Uh, I've never been in a church this big Uh, that I was a part of leading or directing. Never. This is the biggest church. So we are out of our depth all the time, but a continually growing church is a constant challenge to adapt and reshape. Why is that such a big deal? Here's why it's a big deal. Because we have a mission to accomplish, number one. We talked about that last week. But number two, a key to healthy spiritual people is that they serve. Salvation loses all of its real experience, it's real living, it's real life when I don't serve. If there's no service, salvation feels empty on this earth, in this life. To be healthy, you've got to show up, you've got to be here, you've got to be connected, you've got to sacrifice, we just talked about that, and you've got to serve. 2 Timothy nine. I put 2.9 on your paper, but it's one nine. It says this, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. He saved you, but he also called you. He didn't just save you to be like, okay, one more done. He saved you and then he said, now here's what I've got for you. Here's what I made for you to do. And we need people in our church to continually rise up into the calling God has made for you. We need leaders to lead. We need givers to give. We need prayers to pray. We need evangelists to evangelize. We need servers to serve. We need teachers to teach. We need people who have skills to use them. If you're a big personality, we need that. If you're somebody who knows how to work with your hands, we need that. There's no mistake for the way that God made you. And what we need is for all of us to be in together. Why? Because the gospel is good news for everyone. It says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, to God's people and to the lost. We serve one another and we serve this world as we serve. And so if you've been on the sidelines, time to get in the game. Two notes, two notes. Every single person who serves at this church is in process. Every single person who serves at this church is growing in their life, in their faith, in their relationship with God, growing. Which means our service is not neat and clean and professional and polished. It's a mess, but it's helping us grow. And so by faith, we don't fear making a mistake. We don't fear failure. We're like, well, God's big enough for that too. So we're going to not try to fail, but we are going to fail. And when we do, we're not going to be afraid of it because we're going to have each other's back. We're not going to shoot at each other. Like, why did you this? And why did you that? And why did you say this? And why didn't you email me about that? And why... We're not going to have agendas like that because the grace of God is going to cover us. If we're going to serve the kingdom of God, then the grace of God has got to be the fabric of this place. Secondly, because we serve, we also believe without a doubt that we do not ride solo in service. There are no low rangers here. And part of that is recognizing that God created us to, to work as a body. And so we serve together. I think about this verse, the last verse I want to share today. Psalm 145, verse 4. And the psalmist writes this: one generation will praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. One generation shall declare your works to another. We think about the word generation, and next we think about young people a lot of times, and that's definitely part of this verse. We have a passion, and I hope that we all share it, to pass this on to a younger generation as time goes by. I hope that you see that, and that is not some magical thing. There's not some like ceremony where one day we call all these young people up and twang, you guys are in charge, and we're, we vanish into... like That's the stupidest thing ever, right? What that means is... We are actively doing that. It's spilling over from us to them as we grow that young people are being pulled in to serving. That's hard because young people are weird. They've got weird ideas. (laughs) They think differently. They dress differently. They talk differently. Different stuff moves them. So are we going to embrace the weird for the cause? Are we going to try to section off my comfort zone my territory, my kingdom. Wouldn't it be awful if this church ended with us, if there were no next generation? Would that be heartbreaking? Let me tell you something. I witnessed this heartbreak in my grandparents' church. I saw, I saw the heartbreak every time I went there to teach Bible study in the people. The youngest person there, I was about 30 years old, and they would ask me to come teach on Wednesday night, and I would come teach them. The youngest person there was 65. And that's not old, but... It's old to be the youngest person, you know what I mean, in a church. And most of them were in their 70s and in their 80s. And you know what they said to me every single time I came and taught them? We just wish that we had some young people to carry this on. And what I'm saying to you about that is this. If 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 you value your comfort zone more than you value the passing on, the one generation declaring to the next, it will be a heartache to you down the road. And so we'll embrace the heartache now of weird people trying to ask weird questions and do weird things instead of embracing that heartache because this is our mission and that's not. But I want to say this too. It's not just young people. One generation declaring your works to another is not just young people. It's also new people. It's one generation to another generation, not the next generation. And the idea is this generation of people passes on what God does to the next generation. It's new people come and we're looking to cascade the work of God onto them. Now, I will tell you, that's a hard work because it isn't just putting out a sign-up sheet and saying, Well, whatever. I'm going to cascade this to you. Here's the sign-up sheet. There's a lot more personal connection to it than that. There's a lot more personal invitation, investment. There's a lot more conversation. There's a lot more prayer. There's a lot more of us in it than the simple, neat, and clean, well, nobody signed up, or when they signed up, they didn't respond. We are growing with one another, and so it's going to require intentional connection, looking for ways that work and the best way to include this, uh, uh, other people. We share this work together. If we are a body, if we are a family, then we will all own this task of passing the work of God on from one generation, one group to the next, to another. And so those who have been here a while, if you've been here a while, hopefully you're serving. If you're serving, you're in a position to pursue and invite others to be a part of what you're doing. Why? Because we're not territorial. Well, this is mine, nobody else, Right? No? Yes? This is yes. This is no. This is I don't know. This is I don't want to look at you anymore. Sign language. We are not territorial. We are not the rulers of a kingdom. We are servants. And so the way that I do it will not always be the way that it gets done. And that's of the hand of God. I got great ideas and I've got great things, but it's on purpose. That God says, well, the way you did it, that was what I had for you to do. But somebody else I'm going to call to do it a different way. And guess what? I'm going to use that too. Because it's not about you and it's not about them. Who's it about? How great is our God? That's what gets seen in that stuff. And that's what we want to be seen in that stuff. So it's work, but it's worth it. And so... You know, we've got to be intentional about reaching out and including. We've got to build structures and schedules that help people get involved. We've got to do that. And new people have to move past their fears and their awkwardness to find a place to serve. And we've got to be patient and we've got to stay at it. And we've got to do it because it matters and because growth is a great blessing, not a big curse. It's a privilege to be entrusted by God with this kingdom work. And so let's pass this kingdom work from one generation to another. So what has God made for you to do in his kingdom? What are your gifts, your passions, your talents? Just like the money discussion, you've been given other resources like time, talent. Do you think it's possible you've been given those things because God wanted you to serve his kingdom with them? Do you think that's possible? So I think the big question that we're looking as we look forward, what's coming? I don't exactly know, but I know it's going to take us rising to meet the challenge of the finances. It's going to take us rising to meet the challenge of serving and finding a way to serve together because this can't end with us. And so right now I would say we have a particular need for those with the talent and gifts in the area of leadership and organization. And here's why. We have a great leadership team. We have a wonderful deacon team. Our deacon team is actually going to be growing next year, which is awesome. We're working to get really good at making serving simple. But we're not really good at it. So we're working to get really good at it. And so we're going to try to use scheduling where it makes sense because schedules help people plan to work. And then there's stuff that we can't schedule that just shows up. And we're going to try to find a way to communicate that and invite people to be a part. But it's a challenge, so we got to buckle up. we got to do this together. We've got to come together instead of pulling apart. And you will not come together shooting at each other. You don't generally run towards gunfire. Reality is, I'm not going to be doing this forever. Reality is, I can't even tell you I'll be here in five years. Why? Because I don't know what's coming. Do you? So the question is not, well, how long do I have? I don't know. But what am I going to do while I'm here? Am I going to pass this on or am I going to hoard it for myself and then whatever somebody gets after I'm dead, well, that's, that's their thing. And are you going to let one person do all the work when the, when the Bible clearly teaches us that the body is called to function together? Are you willing to step up? Are you willing to help us? Are you willing to pour your passion in? In January, we're going to have a job fair. Uh, The fourth week of January, we're going to have a job fair. I'm going to sit down with our deacons and we're going to talk this through and we're going to find places to plug you in. So between now and then, look for what your thing is. Pursue it. Pray about it. If you haven't found anything, we're going to plug you in. You got two months. Okay? Let's get ourselves in the right mindset going the right direction together. Because we've got to be open to seeing God move new people into familiar roles, which means that familiar people are going to have to move into new roles, right? We're going to have to be willing to plant seeds today and let our patience tell us that they're going to grow into a harvest. And lastly, I would say this. I asked some of you to pray this week, every day this week for this church, and I appreciate those of you who did. Some of you, prayer is your thing. And here's what I would say to you. If prayer is your thing, don't stop. You've got six more weeks this year. Pray for our church every single day for the rest of this year. Make that a commitment and do it. If that's not your thing, I appreciate your sacrifice. Find your thing and do that. But if prayer is your thing, lift this church up in prayer. We need you to do that because God is doing great things here and we want him to have the glory. We want him to be lifted high. All right? So that's what I wanted to share with you. We're going to close in our prayer. We'll get on our way this morning. Let's stand together. Put our church in God's hands. We'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are true, that you are reliable, that you are never overwhelmed by the things that so easily overwhelm us. Thank you, Father, that you have a plan, that you have been using our church for your kingdom. I pray that you would continue to explode the impact that we have, raising it, increasing it. I thank you for the Patrick family this morning, Father, and I pray that you would bless them as they go forward and step into, by faith, the calling you have for them. Let us be a great support for them and our other missionaries around the world, Father. Let us feed into their lives in powerful, even financial ways. But Father, I pray for the challenges we face in our thing, our calling, our place, our focus, that you would make us really good at the stuff that we're doing for your kingdom so that the the impact is maximized, so that you are seen in every single place where your people are. Let your light shine through us into this dark world, we pray. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.